Welcome back to Faith FM. And this is The Encounter with God. We don't have another clue for our quiz because the quiz has already been snapped up. But that was a, uh, a rather interesting conversation we were having there with uh, Martin Isles from the uh, yeah, we were, we were Australian Christian it. Lobby there. We were, um, yeah, that's been caused some conversation in the mm-hmm, office mm-hmm. and in the studio since uh, since it went to air. And if you'd like to be part of the conversation, then, uh, yeah, give us a call. You know what our number is, 1-800-324-843. Uh, call in and uh, you can have your say on the matter or text us something on 0491 uh, One of our listeners did text in uh, in relationship to the new laws down there there in Tassie asking the question, you know, what if my sexual preference is homophobia? You know, can I sue somebody because uh, I'm offended by, uh, you know, just who they are? Yeah. You know, it does seem to be a very very strange law, that one. That no offending anyone law has just opened up a massive can of worms because there's no rhyme or reason to it. You can choose to be offended by absolutely everything. And 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 being offended is a choice. Absolutely. You choose to take offense. You don't. No, no, Nobody can offend you. You choose to you choose to be that's offended. It. That's it. And uh, yeah, it's just like wow. <laughs> Where does that even go? I mean, what a can yeah. of worms that is. That's going to um, create all kinds of uh, havoc. You know, there's a book that I saw at the news agency. I'm wishing I purchased it, but I think I might go and buy it today and have a, a read of it. It's a book called How Political Correctness Ruined Australia. It's 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 also interesting that, you know, the comment was made that we could end up with the worst legal <coughs> framework know. in the Western world for religious liberty. It buckles my mind that we yeah, don't have Because we just assume religious liberty in this country. We do, don't we? We, we have Australia no legal framework for it. It's, uh, it scares me. It scares me senseless. It makes me think actually it's better to move to America or somewhere. The place is crazy, but at least they have religious <laughs> <laughs> liberty framework. Yeah, I'm just sort of thinking about that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but how can, how can we get to 2018 in a first world country and be as awesome as Australia is and not have laws protecting religious liberty? It just, it One of the things that is awesome about Australia... One of the things that is truly awesome about Australia is that we haven't needed it until now. Yeah, that, I guess that is that is a good point. Like it's because we've just gone well. It's common sense. The fact that we need it is an evidence of a um, loss of awesome awesomeness. It's status. sad, but it's necessary. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, moving on with uh, our encounter with God, we are looking at fundamentals. What is absolutely fundamental to your belief to be a to to be a Christian and to call yourself a follower of Christ? Uh, we noted, and of course, we're talking about this in the context of unity. So we began by talking about belief in Christ and His salvation by grace alone. That is foundational to Christianity. If you do not believe in Jesus Christ and salvation by grace alone, then you are not a Christian, a Christian, a follower of Christ. Mm. That's kind of obvious. I think that's really stating the the most obvious part of uh, unity. We then continued on, and the second subject we looked at was belief in the return of Jesus Christ. And, of course, this is a subject that is mentioned twice as often in the New Testament as the subject of grace. It's a very happy subject. It's a very happy subject. It is the blessed hope and it is very pointless to be a follower of Christ if there's no such thing as a second coming, if Christ is never going to do anything about you know, the sin, pain and suffering that there is in our world right now. Um, and so the... Uh, um, <clears throat> and, and 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 so you know when when you look at uh, that particular subject, it's impossible to be a Christian or a follower of Christ while ignoring or teaching against or you know whatever it might be one of the most major themes of 
the New Testament and one of the most major themes that Jesus talked about. Um, the second longest sermon in the in the entire scriptures by Jesus Christ, recorded by Jesus Christ, is all about the second coming. Mm. So today we look at a third fundamental, something that you cannot be a Christian without believing in. And to do so, we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse... You know, there's a whole passage here that I think is um, really important. We might even look at 1 through 6, but let's start in verse 6. Hebrews 8. Yes. Verse 6 says, But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood, for he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. Thank you. I like this passage right here because the Bible talks about, you know, Jesus did not just die, be resurrected, go back to heaven and forget about us. No. If that was all Jesus did, it would be very hard to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ, is because of like, you know, what was the point of that? Mm-hmm. The fact is that Jesus went back to heaven to there mediate on our behalf. That's right. And so as our mediator, um, that means that Jesus is there every moment of every day. He is seeing what is happening in your life. He is there to answer your prayers. He is there to work for you. Basically, he's gone back to heaven to do everything he absolutely possibly can to get you into heaven. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He is. You know, and the whole Godhead is united on this. So they look at you know each individual on a case by case basis. Okay, we've got this. We've got the Mon case. How do we get Mon into heaven? <laughs> you know, we've got the Lyle case. Let's see how we get the Lyle into heaven. You're the listener. Um, they're sitting up there like, okay, all right. Let's work this out. Let's let's see how we get this person into heaven. You know, and this is and this is the agenda of the Godhead. This is the agenda of Jesus. This is what he's doing in heaven right now. It's the whole reason why he came to earth. It's, it's, yeah. it's his purpose with us. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so that's uh um his heavenly ministry. Bon, why don't you read for us the, the whole passage here is really good. Why don't you start for us there in uh in verse in verse one? Just read for us verse one and then we'll take it verse by verse down to verse six. Here is the main point. <clears throat> we have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. There he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not by human hands. Okay, let, let, let's stop there for a moment before we go any further. Notice that Paul says this is the main point. Mm. So if you want to know what the main point of the book of Hebrews is, he's already highlighted the main point. Yeah, he's pointed out for you in case you missed it. It's like mm. an almost an in case you missed it statement. The main point, the whole purpose of this book is to point out that we have a high priest. His name is Jesus Christ. He's ascended into heaven, and there he's doing everything he can to get you there. He then goes on to say that he is in the tabernacle, the temple that God built and not man. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Keep reading. And since every high priest is required to offer gifts and sacrifices, a high priest must make an offering too. If he were here on earth, he would not even be a priest since there already are priests who offer the gifts required by the law. Okay, let's stop there and consider this for a moment. The Bible says that because he's a priest, um, it's a requirement that he, you know, this is what priests do. Priests offer gifts and sacrifices. It's a requirement that he does the same. And so his heavenly ministry is just as important as his earthly ministry, and it is all based on his sacrifice. Everything is based on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. 
Thank goodness, because, you know, our sacrifices don't account for much at all. (laughs) Yes, that's true. (laughs) Particularly, you know, if you weigh up our sacrifices Mm -hmm. versus our sins, it becomes a a rather out-of-balance scale. Absolutely. uh, Right there. And so, you know, the whole main point, as he says, Jesus is in heaven. He's in the sanctuary. He's in the temple in heaven. He's mediating for us. He's doing everything he can to get us there. Uh, Keep reading. Okay, verse 5 we're up to. Mm -hmm. They serve in a system of worship that is only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him this warning. Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern that I have shown you here on the mountain. Okay. So the ones here on earth, the priests who were here on earth, they ministered in uh, in relationship to, uh, yeah, the they worshipped one in the one that was the pattern or the shadow of the real one that is in heaven. Is it exactly the same size or is it a little bit smaller? I feel like it must be a little bit smaller on earth, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. Surely. <laughs> I'd say just a tad. Just I'd, a tad. I'd say just a tad. <laughs> uh, let me give you a, maybe a uh, a little bit of a glimpse into the one in heaven because you know some people read this and go, oh, yes, there was this little building that Moses built in the wilderness, which is um, about a fraction the size of your average house. Uh-huh. And for the last 2,000 years, Jesus has been locked up in that one room in that building. Um, <laughs> you know, Jesus is sovereign God. Jesus comes and goes and does you know whatever he wants to do let's not let's not have jesus locked up in a room about the size of this studio um let's look at what the bible actually says okay so the bible depicts a a, a sanctuary that has two parts Mm -hmm. holy place and most holy place yes the smallest part was the most holy place Yep. about the size of this studio if you include where our amazing producer barter is sitting um yeah Including the oh okay wow yeah yeah it's about it wasn't that big just mm-hmm. a kind of a uh, a tiny little room right there yeah and what I'm going to do in just a moment is show you just how enormous the one in heaven really is. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so the uh, temple in heaven, let's talk about that for a moment because the temple in heaven is where judgment takes place and that's probably a different Bible study but it's very, very closely related to this Bible study and because we know that that's where the judgment takes place and that's where God's throne is, right? We read about that a moment ago, so this is where God's throne is. We're going to flick over very quickly to the book of Daniel. We're going to read about the judgment scene in the book of Daniel and there are a couple of key thoughts that we can draw out of this. So this is Daniel chapter 7. And I'm going to start reading in verse 9. It says, I watched until thrones were, pl- were set in place, and the Ancient of Days sat. That's God the Father. So you've got thrones being set in place, and God the Father, you know, thrones plural. God the Father comes in and sits down. Uh, what's about to happen? It goes on. His, his, it says, His garment was white as snow, the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like a fiery flame, and its wheels were like burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. This is the judgment scene right here. So it, this is not symbolic. It's like it's like a glimpse of something that can. Act, it's actually going to happen, or is that no, no, no? This is a, this is a, this is a glimpse of of in Daniel's day something that was going to happen, and in our day something that is happening. Okay, because you know you know a lot of Daniel is very symbolic. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, but yeah, this is you know literally thrones were set in place, and you know this is what he this is what he actually saw taking place. Okay, so we've got thrones being set in place, and I want you to notice what it says. It says thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. What you've got here is a court scene. Mm-hmm. And in the court scene, you have the assembled multitudes of the entire universe present. Thousand thousands is not a number. Mm-hmm. That's an open-ended number. You know, this is this is this is you know, and, and of course, the, the the Bible is using the word thousand because that was the biggest number they had uh, that they could work with um, with the uh, with the language of the day. They went into you know they went into millions and billions and trillions and squizillions squizillions yeah yeah uh, back then. One. <laughs> um, so they went into any of that. So they've just gone like yeah yeah uh, quiz, squizillions. How do we write squizillions? A thousand thousands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so when you're talking about the temple in heaven, you are talking about a building in which the assembled multitudes of the universe can gather together because we know that this oh, wow. judgment is held in open court. Wow. Wow, I'm at the, oh, wow, that must be huge. <laughs> yeah. It's like get together all the world's arenas is, and it's like probably still bigger than that. Light years uh-huh. across, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. <laughs> wow. There's okay. a reason why the Bible yeah, it's says. It's a little bit bigger. There's, I think there's a reason why the Bible says when the New Jerusalem comes down to heaven, there's no temple in it. Because it wouldn't fit here on this earth. Uh-huh. You couldn't uh, yeah. put it here. It's <laughs> yeah. bigger than that. Bigger you know, I don't know. Stuff. I'm not God. I haven't been there. Um, I'm just. I'm just theorizing. I um, wonder if, like, when they first built the temple here on Earth, the angels looked on and was like, "What is that? A temple for ants?" <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why the Bible calls it a shadow. Uh, you think yeah, about a shadow. Yeah, mm-hmm. A shadow is one dimensional, mm-hmm. and it is one color. That's it. And they built on Earth the most three-dimensional, colorful, and spectacular building our world had ever seen and possibly has ever seen. Mm. And God looks at it and goes, yeah, that's one-dimensional with one yeah. color. That's, <laughs> it's just, that's just a shadow. It's just like, you know, and it has no substance. That, that, the uh-huh. one on Earth has no substance. You, know, guys like, you guys think that one's pretty special. You've not seen anything yet. <laughs> Let me show you something. Somewhere in the future, I'm going to show you what a real temple looks like. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, that's something worth see seeing. Definitely mm. something worth seeing. <clears throat> All right, so there's a there's a couple of thoughts on uh, in, in relationship to that, and of course this is where God is, and this is where Jesus is, and this is where judgment is taking place in favor of uh, God's people, and this is a good thing because it means that Jesus is coming back soon, and we're going to be able to spend eternity with Him. However, we have not yet finished. Let's go to Hebrews chapter nine and verse eleven. Hebrews 9 and verse 11. If you could read that one for us, please. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. Okay, so no, I, I like the way yours puts it there. It's not part of this created world. Mm. You know, this, 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 this is something that is completely out of this world. You know, it's, it's, it's something that is beyond our imagination. We try and limit God to human terms, human language. You know, we try and... Yeah, this, is, this, is a, this is somebody who spoke the universe into existence. 
You know, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just absolutely mind-boggling. I wonder if he spoke this temple in existence as well. Well, it seems that that's how God creates. The only thing that I've ever noted that was not created that way by God are human beings. That's what I was saying. It was Adam, right? Yeah, yeah. human beings, um, Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. because Adam was created from dirt, and um, Eve was created from a from one of Adam's ribs. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and it's interesting how modern science goes on and and the things we learn these days, and we're probably not too far away from being able to um, create people, not life, of course, but people from a person's rib, you know, take some DNA and some stem cells and away you go. You know, for the longest time as a kid, I, I, I thought men had one less rib on their rib cage. Because uh, I thought, you know, it was just a <laughs> <laughs> it was an ongoing defect because he'd taken one out of Adam to make it. There are some men who have one less rib. Um, yes, but uh, I, just, yeah, I that's honestly more, I thought that's they had shorter rib deformity cages. Than yeah, I, I honestly would have thought all it was like a male genetic a, thing. They had a shorter a rib cage person, than <laughs> like as a kid. That was that was a pretty <laughs> was a pretty easy connection to make. All right, <laughs> we could have that discussion over belly buttons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we could actually. <laughs> did Adam, Adam have a belly button? <laughs> I think he did. My vote that is that he did. He was created with one. You don't have to be born to have one. You can be created with it. God can create you however He wants. That's right. He is sovereign God. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where are we up to? Uh, Let's go down to verse 12. Um, Keep reading. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Ah, a mistranslation in your Bible. Is there really? Yes. Mm -hmm. Tell me what yours says. Uh, Mine says... Um, mine says neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having eternal obtained eternal redemption for us. Did you see the difference? Once for all time. No, no, no. That wasn't the difference. Where does yours say that he went? The most holy place. Ah, did you hear what mine says? Into the holy place. Oh, really? Okay, so which translation is correct? I'm going with yours. The King James says the holy the place. The NLT says the most holy place. Which one is the correct one? Give us a call and beef it out. No. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know what our number is? 1-800-324-843. Guess what? What? They're both wrong. They're, bo- they're both wrong? They're both wrong. You calling the Bible wrong, Lyle Southwell, on air? <laughs> they are both wrong. If you look at it in the original Greek, it says neither the holy place nor the most holy place. It simply says the sanctuary. Oh, okay. So there's no particular differentiation. Yeah. The at word, all. the word, the word actually, the, the the actual translation is the holies. Okay. Okay. Plural. Mm-hmm. So with the hot, where you've got the first and the second apartment. Okay. If you want to talk about the two of them together, mm-hmm. we would we in modern English we wouldn't say the holies. We would say the holy places because mm-hmm. they're both holy places. Mm-hmm. Um, it simply says the holies, which means. Um, the sanctuary. It's just a way of expressing the sanctuary. Okay, so he went into the sanctuary somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all yeah. it's saying. Okay. Um, but your translation implies that he went straight into the most holy place. Mine implies that he went into the holy place. Um, the The reason that mine implies that is because we know that Jesus entered first into the holy place before the most holy place. And so... Uh, not having actually been there in 1611 when they fought over this particular uh, passage of Scripture, my assumption is that they noted that and assumed that 
This was speaking about where he first goes in. And mine would assume most well, yours, place. Would yours assumes where he ends up. Yeah, yeah. Because that's, that's where, that's where the, the, rede- the redeeming stuff happens, right? Well, the redeeming stuff yeah, happens in both. Yeah, yeah. Judgment takes place in, mm-hmm. the, in the most holy place. So, yeah, this is, these are passages of scriptures that people get all wound up over. <laughs> um, in fact, I had a great conversation with um, somebody last night um, about just these subjects. And uh, it's always good to, to, uh, to sit down and to discuss these, these parts of the Bible because you can, you can really come up with uh, you know, some, good dis- some good, healthy discussions. We're going to take a break and we'll be back right after this.
You're listening to Derry Doherty, All to Jesus, with uh, I Surrender All here on Faith FM. And, Mon, our quiz has been snapped up. Yes. The prize has gone. Congratulations, It's all over. So we don't have another clue. Let's get straight back into our Bible study. Why don't you read for us Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 23. 23 says, That is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of the things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. Okay, so here on this earth, the, we had the sacrificial system which lasted for a couple of thousand years in which blood was what purified us from sin. Mm. Okay, so is God up in heaven butchering animals? No. Uh, no, death is a result of sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so how on earth are you going to cleanse the sanctuary that is in heaven? And well, here's an interesting thought. Let me hit you with this one. The sanctuary that's in heaven, why would it need cleansing? Well, because it's got all the, all the sins of the people of the whole entire world on how it. How can right? you have something impure in heaven? That's a good point. In the presence of God. Maybe you got smuggled in? It was a stowaway? Maybe. maybe. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're stretching there, Mon. I don't think that's very hermeneutically correct. <laughs> what stowaways in heaven isn't a real thing? I'm surprised. Oh, I know. I know how I got there. Okay. It got there via Moses and Enoch because they were on earth. Mm-hmm. And then they went up to heaven. They probably took it all with them, right? See? <laughs> Yeah, whatever. Okay, our sins go to heaven. Let me tell you how our sins go to heaven. Our sins go to heaven when we confess our sins because they leave us. And this is the key thing. The moment that you confess confess your sins, they have left you. Mm. They are no longer on you. They will never have any relevance to you whatsoever at all in any way, shape or form. They are as if they were thrown into the deepest part of the sea and the Mariana Trench is a long way down. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're gone. They, they, it's 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 over. It, they, they are nowhere in sight, and so we find that uh, for us. But of course, the record remains because you can't have a judgment without having a record of sin. It's true. Uh, so the record remains. Judgment takes place, and that's when God, you know, finally uh, eradicates sin forever um, and forgets that it even exists. And uh, it, it ceases to exist. And so it's the record of sin that is in heaven. Okay, not the sins themselves. Because the Bible says the books are open. You can't have record books without having a record of what was done. The great thing about those record books is that when, when I get to heaven, Mon, you're happy to read the. I'm happy for you to read the, the story of my life. Because it'll be perfect, right? Exactly. And so will yours. Uh-huh. Uh, right now, not so much. Yeah, no. But when we get to heaven, yes, please read my book. It will be filled with all of the righteous things that Jesus did through me and none of the other things. I always wonder when I was a little girl, I was like, man, I don't want anyone reading my book. I've you know, done horrible things. I don't want people knowing about that stuff. But yeah, Jesus does a little celestial whiteout on that. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Okay, so where were we going? We were okay. That's where we're in verse twenty-three. How do you 23. purify with blood? Yes, purify mm-hmm. with blood. Mm-hmm. All right. So if the one in heaven is not going to be purified with the blood of an animal, what is it going to be purified with? Verse twenty-four, please. I think the answer is rather obvious. Th- this is the uh, celestial whiteout. 
For Christ did not enter into a holy place. Made the with red celestial whiteout. That's it. Is this 9 verse 24? That's it. Okay. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. Wait, 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 wait. Your, your, translation, your translation messed that up again. Whereabouts does it say in verse 24 that he went? Uh, he went into the into heaven itself to appear. No, 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 no. Before that, before that, before that. He did not enter into a holy place made with human hands. The ho- a holy place? Yeah. Yours says the holy place? Yeah. That's all back to front. No. Let's read it from your version then. The actual translation is the holy places. Okay. So once again, it's the... It's not specifying this part of the sanctuary or that part of the sanctuary. It's specifying the sanctuary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yes, uh, the holy places. All right, so I'm getting sidetracked. I know. Yeah, I shouldn't get sidetracked on this kind of stuff it's because good, it's, not, it's, it's just sort of uh, we're arguing over minutiae again. But minutiae is fun. <laughs> uh, okay, for Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Verse 25, read that one for us. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again, like the high priest here on earth who in, who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. Keep going. If it had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. All right. So what, uh, what blood does Jesus take into heaven? His own blood. Does that mean that Jesus is in heaven bleeding? No. No, that's not what it means. It means that he goes there by the merits of his blood. He can go there and he can show the scars in his hands, his feet, his side and his head where he was crucified here on this earth. He is the only one who will ever carry scars through eternity. When we get to heaven, scars will all be gone. And it's interesting when you read in Zechariah about those who turn up in heaven and they don't know where they are. Uh, they don't know what's going on and they come across Jesus and they find that he has scars. The reason that he stands out and the reason they ask him who he is is because he is the only one who has scars. Those scars are a testimony for what Jesus did and it's because of those scars and the blood that he shed here on this earth that we can receive forgiveness of sins and this is foundational. Without believing in Jesus as our mediator in heaven, you cannot be a Christian. You cannot be a follower of Christ. You are not a Christian if you do not believe that Jesus is mediating on your behalf because this is the foundation of salvation right here. Amen. Doesn't that buckle your mind a little bit that, you know, there's going to be people in heaven who will ask Jesus where he got his scars from and the people around him will be like, oh, we heard about this. We knew we were going to ask this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. like, wait, how did you know I was going to ask? I'm like, it was prophesied. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be, we're, we're going to have double mind blown. Yeah. We're going to have, we're, there's, there's going, you know, you ever sit down in a Bible study sometimes, I know I have, and uh, we start to crack open the word and somebody's there and they've, they've discovered something new and it just melts your brain. Mm, it's just like, yes. Mind blow! Like wow, that was amazing. And uh, imagine some of the mind blows we're going to have in heaven. And imagine some of the mind blows that people, yeah, you know, like that are going to yeah. have. It's just like they don't know who minute, Jesus is. You, who's who's what's going on here? You're you're talking about what? You know who's this guy with scars? And now you're saying that this was prophesied, you know, two and a half thousand years uh, before the end of the world. And you know, 
what 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 i'm in a prophecy <laughs> what's a prophecy yeah, <laughs> yeah. please explain it's gonna be amazing you know time. and that's gonna take a bit of explanation for somebody who's mm. never seen a bible before that's or right. never heard of jesus christ that's before right. it's like well you know there was this book written it was called the bible and this guy by the name of zachariah who was a prophet and he wrote all this stuff about you guys you know and and, and he came from the middle east you know and they'll be just you know <laughs> brain melt <laughs> <laughs> so much fun so much fun <laughs> can't wait Read for us. Where do we get up to? Uh, up to verse 27. Okay, read that. Uh, finish the chapter for us. And just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Okay, so we only ever have to die once. That's right. For either, uh, well, because of sin. Mm-hmm. Jesus only had to die once because of sin. You don't have to die for every single sin that you commit. Can you imagine you'd be dying like multiple times a day? Yes, mm-hmm. that would be not nice. Yeah. But the simple fact remains that we have a great high priest. He is in heaven. He is mediating on our behalf. And it's because Jesus is in heaven and because of what he is doing there, because of the fact that he is mediating on our behalf, that we can place our trust in passages of Scripture such as 1 John 1, 9, where it says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us or to clean us from all unrighteousness. And if you're listening today and you've never experienced it, take your sins to Jesus now and experience his cleansing power. You will never regret it. This is Mark Schultz. Remember me.
Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Enjoy fantastic food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is. And it starts 10 a.m. every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there.
That was for him, Be Thou My Vision. You're listening to Faith FM here at uh, at Faith FM. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> not quite sure where I was going to go with that. I'm not sure either, Lyle. <laughs> Let's just move on to question of the day. Okay, question of the day. This has been an interesting question that's coming. Uh, the question is, shouldn't married couples cease sexual activity after having had kids? I mean, isn't the point of sex just to procreate? Once you're done with that, you just need you know, Stop doing that naughty stuff. What on earth kind of a question is that? And what kind of a person would ask a question apparently like that? Apparently there are people who believe that. Seriously. Because apparently apparently God said, you know, make another. Okay, do we have to answer questions from the Linda No, like there's, there's literally a group of people who believe that, that yes, pro- sex shouldn't be for procreation. There's literally a lunatic fringe. Yeah, and after that, like... Okay, I shouldn't be insulting. It's, it's, I need to give you yeah. good Bible answers. Yeah, you answers. are being rather insulting. Look yeah, at yeah, you right. causing offence left and right, Lyle. You're going to get sued. We need, to have our faith, we need to have our faith based on uh, good Bible answers. So let me give you a good Bible but answer. But they got it that? from the Bible, you know. Let me read to you what the Bible says. Unnecessarily expelling energy. The Bible energy. says this. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2. Each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. That's good advice. Continues on. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's sexual needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations. Is that is that clear enough? You know, this is what the Bible says. Unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come back together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I think the Bible is rather clear on that. I don't think I need to say anymore. I just got to read what the Bible says. The Bible says don't hold back from each other. I think you might have to give us that reference one more because I'm sure people out there are like, what? First the Corinthians. Bible says what? First Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 2 through 5. And if you are out there thinking, what? The Bible says what? Then try reading the book Song of Solomon sometime. (laughs) This is a book that would definitely in today's world carry an X rating. It is sensual. It is explicit. It details body parts and sexual responses. Everything is right there in the book Song of Solomon. In fact, it is a whole book of erotica and there is a reason why that book is in the bible and the primary reason is not you know people's like oh it's about you know it's an allegory between god and the church okay yes but the primary reason is because god speaks to every aspect of uh the human being and the human life and everything that's involved in being a human being Uh, and one of those a major part of those is human sexuality and the bible would be incomplete without a book on human sexuality that's why god put it there Mm, because god created sexuality god created sex so why wouldn't he have an authoritative and a um and a beautiful illustration of of how this relationship can and should work Mm, people are quite aghast when they realize how much sex is in the bible but it really only stands to make sense we still have that leftover victorian era kind of who no how dare we kind of (laughs) attitude don't you know, we? the Victorian era, you're actually right there. The Victorian era, this was a, this was a cultural issue. It's got nothing to do with the Bible. Um, it's got nothing to do past, with, with, with past um, history of human sexuality within Christianity or other religions. 
but it was an era that combined a number of things together. One, you had a British empire in which the, the sun never set. Uh, the Victorian era, uh, the Victorian culture was also United States culture at that particular time. So it was the English-speaking world. So it was widespread and it was the era of missions. And so this whole concept of prudishness was spread to the entire world. They invented the words like the word limb. You know why they invented the word limb? Why? Because leg was too sensual to come out of a person's <laughs> mouth. I'm dead serious. It's just so sad. Oh, that you studied the Victorians. They were a crazy bunch. And it's just so no sad. They did it all under the garb of religious. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just like, you know, the band Everything Brigade came in and, and like, oh, if it's fun, it must be, uh, it, it has, to, has to be wrong. It mm. has to be wrong somewhere. It was a funny thing because, um, you know, back in the, in the height of Victorian prudishness, there was a guy who was promoting this kind of concept within our church within the Adventist church and he came to uh, one of the founders of our church uh, a woman by the name of Ellen White and she refused to have anything to do with him she's like no this guy's a nut job this is a lunatic friend she refused to have anything to do with him whatsoever at all and uh, um, put him off and put him off and put him off. But he was really persistent. So eventually he comes in, he sits down, and he gives her his whole study on, you know, why this should be the case. And, you know, once you've had children, you know, it's only for that purpose. And once that, you know, it's over. She heard him all through, didn't say anything at the end. She said, you need to go home, be with your wife and be a man. Amen (laughs) Message for you married people out there Continue enjoying your sexual relations It's all good in the sight of God Of course in a marriage context Thank you so much for answering that Lyle If you have a question give us a call here Our number of course is 1-800-FAITH-FM 1-800-324-843 Send us any question you like
Welcome back, guys. That was uh, Jaden Levick with My Father's World here on Faith FM. We have come to the end of our show, which means we are about to give something away. What are we going to yes, give away today, indeed. Mon? Well, I was thinking, you know, listening to um, the interview today we had with um, Martin uh, from the AACL and... Uh, you know, we listen to these crazy stories about how the world is just re- just going down the gurgler. Everything is going to pot. Things are just getting crazier and crazier. And it kind of makes you weary, doesn't it? It just makes you weary of this world. Mm-hmm, it and does. You just, and like you know it's going to keep getting worse. All this nonsense is going to amplify. And you just you kind of get tired of the planet. And you, you want to go see that heavenly temple that we were talking about in the Bible. So you want to be there. You don't have to put up with this world. So I've, I've chosen a book um, for, for a listener who might be feeling the same, uh, it's called I Will Give You Rest, The Eternal Gospel for the Weary Soul. And it's a beautiful book. It's written by Elizabeth Vera Talbot. And uh, it's a wonderful book about, you know, just the, the full assurance of your eternal salvation and, and the true rest that is available to each of us today. Um, which is a wonderful reminder of just what our salvation is, you know, who gave it to us and what it can do for us. If you'd like a copy of that, give us a call now. Uh, get a copy of I Will Give You Rest, The Eternal Gospel for the Weary Soul, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. We have one copy. We'll give it away to our first caller through. Lyle, we have some great Bible studies people can do as well. We do indeed. Yeah. Uh, we have a whole range of uh, Bible studies you can do. Um, I think there's like 17 or 18 different courses on every different subject that you can imagine. So if there is a subject of the Bible that you'd like to do a Bible study on, let us know what it is, and we will find a Bible study that will match that particular subject. We can even get you Lyle's Bible study. He wrote one called The Prophetic Code. It's really, really good. Indeed. Good. We're doing Revelation next next uh, year. Very First exciting. Next year. Very Can't exciting. wait for it. Going to be here, spend as much time in that particular book as possible. Of course, we'll be back tomorrow morning after the 7 o'clock news. We love having you along for the show. You have a blessed day. Take care.